0: Welcome to this, the latest edition of the Boundary Beer Podcast. Thanks very much for joining me. A little bit later on, we'll be hearing from our special guest. This month, we chatted to Charlie from Ivy O Brewery, based in Cambridgeshire. We're we'll here at what it was like setting up a brewery just before the first lockdown back in 2020. But we're going to kick off things as we usually do with some news items. And uh, earlier on this month, in March, we heard from the Chancellor. Who uh, announced his budget for the coming year? Um, obviously, some uh, big challenges facing the uh, the pub and brewing sector um, over the next year, as they have been for the past year. Um, there was precious little in it for the brewing and wider hospitality sector. Um, the extension of the furlough scheme was, uh, which will be uh, extended now until the end of September, um, was uh, obviously beneficial to, um, to to local pubs. Um, uh, but the employer contribution will be uh, being increased from July. So uh, it will be a little bit different from last year. Uh, Restart grants have been made available to the hospitality sector of up to £18,000. Uh, but at the moment I think it's unclear as to uh, how, who and how those are going to be um, awarded. The 5% VAT rate was maintained until September, where it will increase to 12.5%. Until uh, the end of March next year. But this reduced rate of VAT isn't applicable to alcohol, so it will only be beneficial to pubs that are serving food. Um, The business rate relief of up to 100% for eligible businesses um, will um, run from the 1st of April through to the 30th of June, uh, where it will then reduce to 66% uh, between July and uh, March next year. One of the things that lots of people were hoping for was a duty reduction, as uh, as I'm sure you're well aware. The UK has one of the highest rates of duty applicable to alcohol of uh, any of the Western countries. And um, it was seen by many as a great opportunity to reduce that level of duty, to encourage people to get back into the community drinking in pubs rather than drinking at home. Um, and rather than reduce the level of duty, it has uh, just been frozen for the time being. More welcome news came in the sh- shape of a uh, 130% capital allowance for companies who are investing in plant and machinery assets, um, and that runs from April through to next March. So, uh, for example, if a brewery wanted to make some brewery to do its own king line or bottling line, um, then uh, that would obviously be a great time to do it. Um, and also, the £150 million Community Ownership Fund was uh, set up um, with up to £250,000 in matched funds um, being made available to local community groups, um, enable to, uh, enabling them to purchase premises. Um, which uh, I'm sure there will be in the, in the not too distant future, there may well be quite a few of those uh, come onto the market. So that was good news. I think for many business, businesses there were you know, quite a few missed opportunities here and uh, was slightly lacking in substance. So it remains to be seen how the uh, sector can recover in the coming months. Speaking of which, um, as part of the famous Roadmap uh, to Normality that was announced uh, a while ago, uh, the current plan is for pubs to be able to open their beer gardens and outside areas uh, and include table service from the 12th of April, and that will this time include the sale of Takeaway, um, which has been lacking recently, um, Uh, with a further opening of indoor facilities from May the 17th, um, should things go as hoped. Um, Obviously, it's uh, good to have some dates um, that things may happen, and uh, as has uh, been reported elsewhere, uh, many people have taken advantage of this. Um, uh, A lot of pubs are advertising this, and you can book a table now for, for April the 12th um and uh, lots of pubs are seeing a huge in, surge in interest um in this but um but it by no means rep- all uh, pubs of course um depending on the pub they may or may not have a, a large outdoor space uh, which they're able to um to open up at the end in mid april particularly pubs in in city centers and town centers uh, they may not have much outdoor space so they're going to be stuck until May when they can actually be open and then there'll also be still the social distancing rules uh, in place at that time so it may be that yes you've got a, an outdoor space and you could um, welcome some customers in but in reality it may end up being only a, a couple of tables so then whether then you have to make a decision as to whether or not it's actually um, feasible to uh, to open up for possibly just a couple of clients in the light of the success of the vaccine rollout, some people are calling for the restrictions to be lifted much sooner than this, um, saying that there's very little evidence that pubs are a source of infection. So it would be great to hear your thoughts. What do you want to see happen? Do you think um, the, the schedule is about right or do you think that um, things should be opening up a lot quicker so we can get back to our pubs, support these local businesses and uh, bring back that sense of community? that uh, a well-run pub clearly does provide. During the week of recording, on the 16th of March, Camera, the campaign for Real Ale, celebrated its 50th birthday and uh, is also due to hold its annual Winter Beer Festival this coming weekend. Um, as with the Great British Beer Festival last year, which um, has, uh, usually occurs at Olympia, um, this will be instead taking place online. Um, due to the uh, ongoing COVID situation, making it impossible to hold um, a physical event. For the event, Camera have made available a variety of home delivery beer options, different styles of beer, um, and also cider, of course. Uh, These are no longer available to purchase because it's too close to the festival to be able to get them to you in time. Uh, But you can still pay a £5 entry fee for access to the online content, which will include a variety of talks from industry figures, um, Q&A's, uh, brewery tours, which <laughs> might be a bit interesting in a virtual format, and uh, the traditional festival entertainment. So uh, have a look at the Camera Winter Beer Festival coming up this uh, weekend of the 19th to the 21st. And a couple of more local events coming up for you that you should uh, have a look at. The Whitney Roundtable are going to be hosting a beer box of local breweries to raise money for local good causes. Uh, the box will feature 12 beers from the likes of Chadlington, Church Hamburg, Hook Norton, XT Brew, Shotover, Little Ox and Hobgoblin. More information will be available soon, so uh, the easiest way is to check the at Whitney499 Twitter feed for more information which will be coming soon. And the Oxford Beer Bash will be back with a vengeance this year, taking place on Saturday, September the 18th at Oxford Artisan Distillery in South Parks in Oxford. The event will run from 12 to 8pm, featuring all your favourite local beers served by the brewers themselves, as well as a host of local DJs and artists to keep the party going. Entry is just £10, which includes a commemorative glass, and tickets are available now through Ticket Arena. So shortly we're going to hear from our special guest on this episode, who is Charlie from Ivy O' Brewery in Cambridgeshire. Uh, Well, why was I talking to him? You may well ask. Well... As I think you'll agree, 2020 was a very interesting year. Uh, When the first lockdown was announced almost exactly a year ago, I had hoped that it would give me some more time to concentrate on improving and expanding on this podcast. But due to a variety of reasons, this didn't happen. And in fact, this is the first show for over a year, which I find slightly shocking. Um, At the turn of this year, I tried to come up with some ideas for ways to reinvigorate the show. Initially, I thought of going international. And focusing on a different European country and their beer scene in each particular show. But uh, I chickened out because basically I thought it was going to be a bit difficult. And obviously with Brexit as well, I thought it might be a bit tricky getting hold of uh, some beers from different countries to talk about. Um, Which uh, I think time has proved that I was right in that. (laughs) Lots of um, stockists are are struggling to get hold of continental beer. Um, So instead, I thought about looking at the beer scene on offer in this country. After a quick search it transpired that there are 48 counties or at least if you call them lieutenancy areas because there's some uh, different uh, interpretations of what what a county is Um, but using a lieutenancy area as as the definition uh, according to Wikipedia that means there's 48 of them in England and so this fits quite nicely into uh, doing one a week uh, throughout the year. This uh, of course is not meant as any sort of a snub to the other countries in the UK as uh, brilliant beer is available from all four nations. Um, some of my favourite breweries in fact are from outside of England. As we speak I'm drinking something from Polly's in Wales and uh, we may well take a look at uh, what's on offer in these other countries in uh, maybe next year or certainly in the future. Um, At the time of this show, we've already virtually visited, at least, the Isle of Wight, North Yorkshire, Suffolk, East Sussex, Cornwall, uh, Cambridgeshire, West Midlands, and County Durham. All the activity is taking place on Twitter, um, just because I find it easier, and each week we're going to have a run-through of the best breweries um, uh, and occasional bottle shops on a Sunday throughout the day. Um, And... uh, this is a call to action. It'd be great to, to get you involved if possible. Um, essentially, each week um, I uh, kind of trawl through the the web looking for um, beer-related or cider-related businesses. Uh, primarily, this is the breweries um, in that particular region, simply because it's easier to find them, and uh, the you know there's quite a lot of them, but not as many as pubs. So, and it's Typically easier also to get information as to what they're up to at the moment. Um, it's, it's not a lot of pubs don't keep up to date, keep their websites up to date and things. So um, it's certainly a lot easier from my point of view to uh, to focus on breweries. But that's by no means to say that uh, I'm obviously very interested in the pubs and um, suppliers in the area as well. So it'd be great to hear, to find out more about um, pubs, bars and shops over the coming weeks. Um, but obviously that that takes a bit of time. As with this show, I'm hoping to be able to talk to some of the businesses featured, finding out how they came to exist in the first place, how they've coped over the last year, and what their plans are for the future. Given the technology available, um, with uh, conference calling, which I'm sure we're all very familiar with now, it's now easier, uh, though obviously not as fun, um, to be able to talk to these businesses all over the country um, than it has ever been before. So, uh, with that in mind, if you'd like to get involved in any way, shape or form, then uh, do get in touch. also, if you've got uh, stories that you think should be covered or ideas for features that we should uh, do in the future, then please do get in touch. Um, the easiest way is uh, you can send me a tweet at Bambury Beer or send an email to uh, bamburybeer at gmail.com. But that leads us sort of into our feature, which this week is our ch- my chat with uh, Charlie from Ivy O' Brewery. Um, so I came across them when I was uh, doing some research on Cambridgeshire. Um, so we're going to hear next from Charlie about uh, his experiences of opening a brewery
1: last year. Um, so we, um, this all started about eight years ago, um, and it all started by my next door neighbour Jason. Um, had a little bit of, uh, like, a little patch of land at the back of his garden. And um, our, one of our local pubs um, was shut and turned into a Tesco extra. <laughs> and it was, the, it was the best pub in the village, yeah. um, as far as Real Al was concerned, anyway. Um, so we were left with another sort of, like, um, uh, tenantly pub uh, and one that just served youngsters. Yep. So one was sort of, like, part of a big pub chain, so the beer wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, the other one, it, it was just basically just a lager pub. Mm. Um, so what we decided to do, we went away on a uh, weekend away somewhere, and um, as we sat in sort of like the Woodford's Brewery tap, um, slowly going through all the beers that were on our <laughs> came up with this great idea that we would use this patch of land at the bottom of his garden to actually build our own pub. <laughs> so we did that. We built the pub, um, and then a few sort of like you know, um, the next, probably the a year later. Um, we had the, or I had the opportunity to convince my wife that we needed a bigger garage. Um, so we knocked the old one down and we managed to leave enough space at the back of the garage to put a small brewery in. So we started homebrewing and it was like a two by three, well, it was like a, probably a three by two metre room that we actually started this in. Managed to sort of like um, do a bit of research and find out what was the best kit available yeah. or that we bought. And we ended up getting a um, sort of 100 litre pilot plant from uh, Elite Stainless Fabrication down in Swindon.
0: Okay.
1: Bear in mind we hadn't done any homebrewing since the 70s when you get it, those horrible like John Smith's can kits that yeah, yeah, all yeah. tasted of just that horrible homebrew taste. Yeah. Just like yeast that you hadn't allowed, it to, you know, no one allowed it to ferment long enough. Um, literally people would put it in the air and cupboard. Uh, and then be drinking it the next day. And it's sort of like, so that's how what we remembered. And we thought, right, well, we don't want to do it like that. So we thought if we buy the best piece of kit we can, then yeah. it can't be the kit it has to be up. <laughs> so, and you can learn. Yeah, exactly. So we put the room together, um, managed to sort of like find this kit, ordered the kit, um, got a date for it. And we said, right, we need someone to show us how to use this kit. And we thought, what better way to do it than to actually try and find a customer of Elite Standards that actually had similar kit. Mm. And luckily we found a guy called Gord, who uh, runs Shed Ales down uh, in a little village near the spin, namely escape with the timing, anyway, it's not important. And he did um brewery training course, or he did sort of like... Um,
0: Taster sessions,
1: I think. Yeah, 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 day courses yeah. where you could go along and brew with him for a day, mm-hmm. and sort of learn the ins and outs. And we... Drove down there, I think it was about six o'clock in the morning we left. The hired a van, drove down at six o'clock in the morning, mashed in at about eight o'clock, nine o'clock came round, we drove off to Elite Standers, packed the brewery into the van, <laughs> back for the rest of the rest of the day. And I think we managed to get back here at about eight o'clock at night. It's pitch black when we got back. Managed to get the brewery out, and of course it was way too big to actually get the brewery, so we ended up having to take the wall down the next weekend. But anyway, <laughs> got it all in there, got it started and we started with like an A four sheet. Of like how to brew yeah uh, and with the the first thing that we thought of to do was well, well let's pick a beer we like and we tried to do a Timmy Taylor's landlord mm-hmm. club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we bought all the ingredients put it all together and to be honest it was drinkable um, but it wasn't great but that taught us a lot of things it taught yeah. us that you know, there was no way what we had written down was everything we needed to know Um. So we went online, joined a few forums like other people do, uh, and we got involved with London Amateur Brewers, uh, and they started running all these different homebrew competitions. So we started to pick our you know, we we started to pick styles based on the competitions they we were running, yeah. just so we could get some feedback because when you're starting out, everybody tells you your beer's great. So your yeah. friends, are, oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, it's great, it's great. You think is it? Mm-hmm. We never know until so you've actually given it to the general public and let mm. someone you don't know decide. Sure. So we managed to go into these competitions, and we ran like that for a, quite a while. I mean, there's, we, you know, bear in mind, every time we brew, we're brewing up litres. So, you know, you're getting sort of um, 200 and, well, we're getting about 200 bottles, 500 mil bottles at a time. So that's quite a lot for just the two of us to get through. Um, so we always had in mind that we wanted to sell it, but didn't actually have a way or a method of making that step. Yep. In the meantime, as, as we're sort of going along, we're always constantly looking for brewing equipment, you know, things to improve. So we bought things like um, a hop rocket, which was like a hop infuser. Yep. Um, so we bought one of those. Um, we bought a couple of other bits and pieces. Then we saw these con- conical fermenters. Conical fermenters suddenly became, oh, yeah, you know, we could probably do something with those because we'd read online that it was much better for getting yeast out, much better for dry hopping. Uh, it would help you, you know, if you could ferment under pressure, it would help carbonate some of your pale owls and stuff like that. So we ended up driving down to Kent to pick these um, four conical fermenters that came up. Uh, and we had them sat in the garage next door until we eventually extended the brewery. So we literally knocked through the wall. The garage be- became sort of half the size it was. Uh, someone we know actually gave us a cold store. They had a knocking down a cake shop uh, and discovered that this cake shop had a cold store inside it that they obviously put cakes in at night. And they said, Well, if you want it, you've got to do is just go and pick it up. So we literally drove down to London, picked that up, brought that home. And luckily, Jason's a builder, so we were able to adapt the building to fit round it. So now we've suddenly gone from like a three by two space to a six by three space (laughs) with a cold store on the side, which has been brilliant because storage is a problem. Trying to keep things the right temperature was an absolute nightmare, yeah. Um, so we did that then at the end of 2019. Um, I've been working for a fairly large organization, uh, for 20 or 25 years, and they decided to let me go. And I thought, right, at my age, um, I know I don't look it, but you know, I am amongst the over 50s, uh, (laughs) still have a COVID injection. I
0: was gonna say, you uh, must be (laughs) juicy, yeah, yeah, I know.
1: Tell me about it. at the end of 2019, because I got made redundant, um, the, the money was there to sort of yeah. like pack the mortgage off and start from scratch. Yeah. And I thought, right, we've got mostly everything we need. It's not gonna take a hell of a lot more to it, actually get up and running. Mm. So we took the plunge, 2019, paid all the bills, did all the red tape, did the AWRS, which them, um, got environmental health round, they came inspectors and said it was great. Um, we literally got permission from Huntingdonshire District Council to start running the brewery. We thought we'd sell. I think I, I put down in our initial uh, initial sort of like business plan that we do sort of like two brews a month, yeah. uh, which is, you know, you, you know you're not going to make a living. But the idea was that we wouldn't be looking to make a living out of it. What we do is we get our name out there. Yeah. yeah. So we were primarily thinking about casks. So we started to. So we started into a few uh, beer festivals because obviously we were members of our local camera. Mm-hmm. Um, they run a couple of festivals, so we'd already booked onto those. Um, I think we'd done two or three festivals. Um, feedback we got was absolutely fantastic. Um, so it was going pretty well. Then all of a sudden, COVID came along and everything stopped. And we suddenly thought, well, we've got no premises license, um, we've got no outlet whatsoever to get the beers out to pubs although some of them were initially doing a takeout service. Mm. Um, but I think we ended up with about four casts that we hadn't sold. And I thought, well, the only thing we can do is bottle them. Yeah. So we managed to get like a forehead bottle and between the two of us. It takes us about two hours per batch to actually bottle everything up. Then, of course, you've got to label it. And I thought, well, we were going to do farms markets was the initial plan. But, of course, they all got closed down as well. So we then approached the district council and said, look, what can we do? We, we don't want to have the premises license because eventually we are going to move from you know, the garden uh, to somewhere proper. Um, and they said, well, you know, have you thought about having a temporary event? And luckily, years before, we'd actually gone out and got, a, I'd actually gone out and got a personal license. So because I had a personal license and a, a, a clean record, they said, yes, well, we, we can let you open over two days a month. Oh, okay. Um, to do free local deliveries. Yeah, yeah. So we started putting this on Facebook, and that's the only um, advertising we've done. We've n- never paid for the advertising. Um, and the first month, I think we sold something like six hundred bottles, something like, which is pretty good. Uh, the next month, it was about a thousand bottles, and we sold out. And it's basically carried on like that ever since. Um, purely, and it's all purely word of mouth. Yeah. Um, the sad thing is, we are we. <laughs> we were opening at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, um, and you would see the beers sell out within an hour. And people complained, saying, "Well, you know, some of us have got to work. You're not moving to the weekends." So we moved it to nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, and now we're more or less selling out within thirty minutes. <laughs> so it, because we're small, um, we only—I think the most we've ever sold is like fourteen hundred bottles, and that was over Christmas. Um, because we're small, we, we could basically we sell everything we brewed straight away because. We can't afford... To, well, we haven't got the room, so we can't keep any stock, so we can't have an online shop that's open all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, we tend to advertise it on the Saturday. Or, uh, we've got a mailing list that people sign up to. Uh, we email them in advance, let them know when the opening times are. So it opens at 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning, and we deliver it Thursday, Friday the week after. And that has been, it's been going like that since about March April time last year. Um. Yes, yeah, so, so far, I think we've managed to sell sort of um, 6,400 litres. So that's 11,200 odd points. Yeah. So in a year for us, I mean, it's way better than we thought we'd, we were going to do. Um, so for us, it's actually been okay. We haven't been, although we've applied for grants, we haven't been granted anything from the council. So these discretionary grants, et cetera, et cetera, we've ha- not been able to uh, obtain any of those. Um, so thankfully, we've managed to keep ourselves ticking over. I mean, we're not in debt, but then again, we can't – we haven't been able to invest anymore. You know, we'd ideally love to be able to go and get premises. Uh, yeah. We'd ideally love to have a tap room like I'm sure every other small brewer would. Um, but we just – because of COVID, we just haven't been able to do it. So we're kind of – we're in limbo at the moment, waiting until everything else is open because we've already got some cars slaughtered in. Um, but the problem with the cask orders is, as much as we love sitting in the pub and drinking out of gas, we have started doing kegs as well for the lagers that we do. Um, as much as we love that, that takes away the bottle slatters. Yeah. And everybody knows the money in brewing is always direct to the public. Uh, as much as we are going to support pubs, or we will continue to support pubs, um, we do realise that, you know, that's not where all the profit is. So I think it's you know it's one of these things where we're going to have to find a nice balance because we've gone from being purely direct to the public with our, all our bottle sales um, to wanting to support the pub industry. So we're going to have to take a hit on it, basically, because you know, that's what we that's what we feel is the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's interesting that you um, your plan was to go to cask. Um, yeah. Because yeah, you know, when it, I was thinking about it earlier and. You're kind of, in a way, you've almost been lucky because you weren't big enough to have been doing lots of cask in a, before COVID hit. Yeah, you didn't suddenly have to change your route to market because obviously a lot of brewers, if they were you know primarily uh, selling to pubs, yeah, and then suddenly that's taken away from them, and they've suddenly got to massively increase their bottling and canning or whatever.
1: So yeah, that- I mean, know, yeah, we know a couple of breweries that are sort of like uh, bigger than us that have just had to diversify and go into bottling and canning because. Yeah. Without that, they'd be getting no income at all.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. We were lucky. I think we we didn't. We may have lost one batch. I think, which two casts, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's pinprick compared to what other people have yeah. lost. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely nothing. So yeah, we, you're right. We were very fortunate, but it's taught us it's taught us a great deal to be honest. It's taught us a lot about planning. You know, mm. having contingency plans because without it, everything before was just sort of like. Yes, we had a business plan, but it was—we wrote it, sent it off, did what we had to do, and we've never gone back and looked at it. And when yeah. you look at it now, you think, "God, you know, <laughs> so naive." So naive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you
1: know, That—that's, and I'm sure other people have got similar stories. Um, but you're right; the timing for us was very fortunate. We're desperate to go out and get a 5 barrel plant. That's mm. what—that's where we really want to get to the next. Mm-hmm. But we were told very early on. Um, that you won't make a living out of it unless, you to leave for, unless you've you got at least a 10-barrel plant. And I think looking at the numbers, that's about right, to be honest. Unless you're going to go down the sort of like you know, kegging route, which we will we will do some, but I think for us, we like to do a mix. There's, We like yeah. a lot of different beers and we want to make sure that we've got a good range rather than sort of like having, I mean, I'm not going to mention any of this, but having sort <laughs> of a like, like really good beer That you just change the hops in it every month and call it something else stick it all in cans and sell it great i mean don't know i do like that type of beer but i do like to have something different as well so like you know i like to have a an american pale ale followed by a spout followed by sort of like a neeper followed by a porter you know so you've got a a nice sort of mix and that's that's what we're aiming
0: for yeah i mean looking at your website you know considering you've only been around a year you've got a really good range actually
1: yeah. I mean, we, as much as we'd love to sort of like brew everything and everything available, it just doesn't pan out like that. Mm. I mean, for us, we've got one pub that takes the pale ale in cars. So we have to brew that twice a month. Um, that takes three weeks. So you've got two fermenters sat there you know, for a week. A week. The cold room's then sat there for two weeks. So we can't do anything else while that's going on at the mm. moment. Like I say, we've got four fermenters. As soon as one's empty, we're filling it literally. If it's not the next day, it's that weekend. Um, so, yeah. We, I mean, but it does limit us somewhat. So it's we, trying to squeeze those sort of like those higher ABV beers in because they do take a lot longer. Like the Imperial Russian Stout, um, that by itself takes at least six to eight weeks
0: right.
1: until it's ready. So you've got to factor that in. So you've literally got eight fermenters maybe sitting there for two weeks because it's getting dry hopped or mm. if it's not in the if it's not in the it's sat in the warming fridge or it's sat in the cold storage you know it could be so space is a massive issue so we've learned whatever space you think you need double it <laughs> you know i could quite easily we i mean i have still got a bit of garage left and that's probably going to be the next i don't know if you like iteration process Maybe getting a bigger brewery and like sticking in the garage for the time being until we can
0: find premises. Stay in the area, you don't want to move out there? Uh,
1: ideally not, no, I mean, but we, are, we see the problem is we're so close to Cambridge. Yeah. Uh, you sort of look at our local town, St. Ives, which is only about five miles from us, and the, the, the business rates uh, uh, and mm. the rent are really, really high. So. We'd have to probably sit and do what everybody else does, end up on like a little industrial unit somewhere yeah, yeah. where the rent is half, but you're not in the town centre. So mm. you have to make yourself a destination if you like. And yeah, I that's think. Exactly. Yeah. You, there you go. Yeah. So that that's probably what we'll end up doing. But it's, it's a real shame because, you know, you look at St. Ives and there's not one freehold pub in the whole town, <laughs> which is, you know, I mean, we would love to sell our beer in, in town, but we can't. There's just no one that can take it. Because they're all dying.
0: Yeah, that's a whole other conversation, isn't it?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I was, I was uh, interested to see you've got a, a kind of low alcohol version of. Is it so? Is it the, essentially the same beer as your as your porter, um, just it's, lower
1: or? Yeah, it's a very similar recipe. Um, obviously, the malt bill is a lot lower. Um, but yeah, it was one of these things where I think I can't remember where we were. Probably on the Birmingham beer mile, somewhere like that. Anyway, uh, because we do like to do a lot of research. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> tough, we find a beer we like, Yeah, I know. If we find a beer we like, or we we really do work out how they made it, okay. and then try and not copy it, but add a little add our own spin to it, and like yeah. try and something similar. Yeah. Um, and it's a real it's a real challenge to come up with a low alcohol beer mm-hmm. that has got anybody whatsoever. Um. Because most of the ones had a sort of like like hop juice, and yeah. I know it's great to have that hop flavour, but you want to have some sort of like body behind. Yeah, the
0: body is, is often lacking, isn't it? So they had they added a bit of lactose in or something, but
1: yeah, yeah. And we're not great fans of um, you're, you're all ad- you're all vegan, aren't you? All your beers? Oh, so Jason is a vegetarian. Right. Uh, we didn't set out to say right, we're going to be a vegan brew. No, but it's um, helpful when you're trying to. It just widens your market, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we sort of end, have ended up that way because. Yeah, you know, we initially did sort of look for put findings into the beer, but we've worked out that you know if you actually chill it properly, mm. which do, there's no need. It clears mm. it itself. Um and yes, we might have to wait a couple of extra days for it to be ready, but we're prepared to do that. And it keeps Jason happy because you know <laughs> uh, that's his lifestyle choice. So and yeah, you're right, it does open up the market to us. And so but yeah, the um just going back to the to the table bore, it's um it's one that everybody says God, oh, you know how have you done that and it's like it, yeah it, it does actually taste like a much stronger beer mm. but, you know there's one brewery that's dominant throughout Cambridgeshire and that's Green King because um, they're just across the border in Southern um, so everywhere you go around here uh, chances are you'll walk into a Green King pub <laughs> uh, which you know I've been growing up with it it's sort of you know I think the first time when, when we had the first drop of like a Green King IPA and and, um, some of the other beers that they've done, like their mild, their double X mild, is actually still really good. Yeah. Um, drinking IPA is definitely not what it was. Um, of course, they've taken over a few other breweries that, and taken over their brands, so like Speckled Head and a few others that sort of like aren't the beers they were. Uh, and I think a lot of locals um, maybe like take an umbrage to that and have decided, well, you know, we can do better. Yeah. We can't get decent beer around here. We're going to make our own. And to be honest, it has got easier. It used to. I mean, when we first started, um, we struggled to find the equipment. There doesn't seem to be any middle ground. So there's a lot, sort of like the, uh, there's a lot of equipment for the homebrew brigade. Uh, mm, mm. You know, people are sort of like twenty-three liters to about sixty liters. There's a lot of equipment at that level. Yeah. Not so much when you get to a hundred to five hundred that you really struggle to find equipment. I mean, there's plenty once you get to sort of like, you know, two and a half barrel, five barrel, you can find equipment there, but there doesn't seem to be much in between. So we've really had to sort of like, you know, scout around to find out what we. A lot of the breweries that I know that set up recently uh, around here have just made that step from sort of like, you know, brewing in a bucket to now actually brewing on a proper 100 litre kit. So, but no, good luck, me. I know there's, there's Grapham up the road. Um, there's Extreme in Peterborough. There's Maltree in Peterborough. Near Oakham Brewery, there's a, there's a courtyard where they are. Mm. And there's, there's now three or four yeah. breweries right next to each other. Um, and then there's Cowboys in Cambridge. Um, oh, I think have just started their own canning line. Three Blind Mice out near Ely, who are a brilliant brewery. Um, got Patworth just down the road in Earith. They'll kill me if I don't mention their name. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yes, we, we are actually getting, we are quite lucky. And I think it is something that people are picking up on, particularly now that COVID's come along and have people been forced to stay at home. It's like, right, well, what hobby can I take up? that You know, <laughs> I'm joy isn't going to drive me crazy. And homebrewing is, is a great, and I, I must say that since we, um, when we started going to all these homebrew competitions, uh, we used to think, you know, you know, as I said earlier, when we thought about the beers that we were making out of cans and stuff, the level of quality at a homebrew competition is absolutely fantastic. And if you ever get the chance to go along with Judge or just go along and sample the beers, I guarantee you will find five or six beers that you absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. And you just cannot believe that the level of quality. It's really, really good. And like the, uh, the online forums now, where like, people can go on and you know, Facebook groups or whatever, you just go on and ask questions. There's so many people out there that will, you know, Give you advice and like point you in the right direction. It's absolutely good. Any uh, particular
0: styles of beer that are on the radar that you don't already do? That you? Uh,
1: so we want to do a red ale. So we don't we don't do a best bitter uh, mm. because you know we got bored of drinking them. Um, but we are conscious that there are some good ones out there. So we want to do sort of like a a reddish best bitter because um, it's something we don't have in our range. Um, so we want to do that um, the other thing that we've done in the past but we haven't released a commercial is a Vienna lager so we're, we're big fans of Vienna Lager, so we might do that we also would love to do a fest here as well um, some of the other stuff we're thinking about I'm not going to mention Black IPA because I'll get crucified <laughs> for it we don't do one we should do but we don't <laughs> that's, that's the thing with it there's always something new to do yeah. You know, and I know commercially, you're kind of tied as to what you can do because once you've got those orders for those beers, people like to see that consistency and that same beer coming along and along. But I think we've grown up in an age where the customers have changed. Customers don't want to see the same hand pump, you know, the same bag, the same pump clip all the time. They like to try different things. Mm,
0: yeah,
1: and I think you know that's that's going to be great for everybody in the industry because as a brewer you like to try new things you like to try and make new things you don't want to be spending your time doing the same thing over and over again then it just gets a little bit boring so yeah i mean i'm there'll be lots of new beers but at the moment they're the first two i can think of that we've got up on the board um we've actually got a lot written up on the board but those two have got ticks next to them which means we are the next level <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah that's that, that's how uh that's how we vote our beers in. We look at the board and say, "Well, which ones do we want to do?" And like, we put a tick next to one vote the ones we both agree on, because like, there's only two of us. Yeah. Uh, so we tend to make decisions quite quickly, which is great.
0: What about collaborations? Because it's very trendy to uh, kind of do joint brews with neighbours yeah,
1: and things. It is, but it's also really difficult. You know? <laughs> what happens if you get offered to do a collaboration with a brewery that you don't like, or oh, sorry, whose beers you don't like? <laughs> There's no brill we don't, we dislike. But uh, yeah, I, I, no one's approached us yet. We haven't approached anybody else yet. Um, there are brew, breweries we would definitely love to collaborate with, particularly um, you know, some of the bigger, well-known ones, mm. uh, the more trendy ones. Because as a, as a small brewer starting out, just think of what you pick up. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. There's so much stuff that I'm sure we're, we're not aware of. I mean, we've never canned a beer. So that's mm. something that we've got to get across. Um, we don't do e-cakes, which I know we, we know. eco cakes which I know we we want to do, but obviously we haven't been able to because no one's been open. We've done normal sort of like steel cakes, um, and that's been okay. Um, but yeah, we really do want to sort of like start exploring about different um, different ways of packaging it, shall we say? Um, and yeah, and getting it right because you read some some horror stories of people that have gone into canning and have not got it right and it's gone horribly wrong like cans exploding and stuff like that and We
0: one of the like, weekend that was uh, yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's something we definitely learn from someone else because we have no experience with it whatsoever yeah.
0: so if there's anybody
1: out there listening that wants to take some young brewers on the one no young brewery not young brewers <laughs> Um yeah and give us a bit of experience we really appreciate fantastic so yeah, Collaborations, we're always looking to collaborate. It's just you know, finding the right collaborations, I think.
0: And it's a bit difficult at the moment.
1: <laughs> if you cut them up, of course,
0: yeah. You can't do anything. A virtual collaboration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can watch while they do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite the same. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, th- thanks so much, uh, Charlie, for your time. That's right. No, thank you. Thanks for inviting me to take part.
1: Oh, it's great.